loneliness. Have you ever been in a place of loneliness where you just feel like there's there's just nobody there? You've exhausted all your resources. You've done everything that you thought you were supposed to do, and you still find yourself in this place of lo- loneliness. We're going to be talking about this topic along with Elijah and how he felt lonely, and sometimes it could just be so overwhelming. So let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here's Anthony Kernut and Kyler Sal. All right, what is going on, guys? Yes, we got a new sound. We got a new facelift. We are so excited. That's compliments of old Randy Bailey. Awesome. Thank you, Randy, for that. Shout out to you. All right, so back to this topic. I know that our kind of intro was kind of a, kind of a bummer, but I'm sure... I don't even know if I want to use the word sure. I am positive that every single person that is listening to this has been in this state of loneliness mm-hmm. that has that has ever felt like you are the only one. Um, I, I have this thing that I, that I constantly tell people that, you, you know, I can always tell when something bad is happening because they withdraw themselves from everybody else right and pulls himself into this so uh i'm excited to get started on this topic but uh intros first kylo what's going on man hey guys what's happening he probably thought i was going to forget about him again i was just going to talk when i felt like it (laughs) (laughs) but uh but we're so excited that you guys are here with us and um and so we're going to be if you guys kind of want to follow along we're going to be in uh first kings chapters 18 and 19 we're going to be talking about elijah and uh, Elijah um, and um, kind of what he went through. Now, probably one of the most epic stories that you can read in the Bible happened in chapter 19. As a matter of fact, there are two major miracles, or 18, I'm sorry, uh, two major miracles that happen in chapter 18. One, um, I don't know if, if you got, have you, Kyler, have you ever heard of the band called Disciple? Uh, actually, yes. Our uh, Zach Boggus from church, our youth pastor, was like, "Hey, you need to listen to this." I'm like, "Yeah, it doesn't sound like somebody to listen to." Yeah. So, so they have a song, and it's a it's an older song called "God of Elijah." It's a, mm-hmm. it's freaking amazing. It really is. It's awesome. But anyways, so in this story, in, in this part of it, and I'm going somewhere. All this is going to tie in together. Um, there is Elijah encounters. Uh, the prophets of Baal. Okay, and you know they're they're doing their thing. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all these, uh, you know, doing all these different things. And they're on top of uh, uh, Mount Carmel, and um, there's about 450 of them, right? And uh, and so basically, you know, I, I mean Elijah. So basically, they they come up to like this standoff, and they decided whoever's God, they they build this altar, right? And uh, they put this bull on there, and their their God is supposed to Baal is supposed to consume the, the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you see the confidence in Elijah right here, you know. So you go down to uh, verse. Uh, this is chapter eighteen, verse twenty-seven. It says, "At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly for for he's a god. Maybe he's 
thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. And uh, and so you see, I, I love I love this. I love the <laughs> I love that side of Elijah, right? You see, you know, see, there's 450 of them. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all this stuff. They're praying. They're beginning to shout louder. You know, all that stuff. And of course, Baal never shows up because Baal's not real. And um, and so Elijah comes to this thing, and so he he builds this altar, right, for for the sacrifice. He takes 12 stones and and stuff like that, and he puts this bull up on on the sacrifice he builds this moat and he fills it up with water and dumps water 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 and uh he prays to god and god literally brings fire down to the point where it consumes everything right now i i mean think about it how what would that look like you want to talk about a confidence builder mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean i mean this is literally a miracle, right? And then not only does that happen, okay, so after the, the fire falls down and it, it consumes everything, right? The wood, the stones, the dust, it licked up all the water, verse 38 says. There was nothing left. It's not like it just come down and, and burnt up the offering. It devoured everything, right? And of course, when the people seen that, they it, it, it's verse 39 says, when all the people saw it, they fell down and, and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Right. And so, man, it's, it's just, it's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And of course, then um, uh, Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal. <laughs> right. I mean, he just, through, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he destroyed, he killed every one of them. So you see Elijah right here. And then not only that's not the only miracle he's seen in this time. They were they were in a drought, right? Mm-hmm. And Elijah, he tells his servant to go up on there. He said, "Go out and watch for a cloud, you know, watch for for rain to come." And um, and it says that uh, in verse forty four says, "On the seventh time he reported, there's a cloud as small as the man's hand coming from the sea." Then Elijah said, "Go tell Ahab." Get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. Right. And so they had been they had been on a drought for like three years because of Ahab and Jezebel. Right. And this is this was a punishment of God. And uh, and so and not only did God perform this huge miracle here, but he also brought rain back for, from a drought. Right. And you see such confidence. This is this is what I, I want to. All of us end up in this place where we have complete confidence in God, right? We're like we're like on that mountaintop. We're sitting on Mount Carmel, and you know we know God's going to show up, and He's showing out, and He's doing all these different things. He's performing miracles and all this good stuff, and we enjoy that time, right? I mean, every one of us have have had times. Where, where we're like this and you're just like man god is so good he's doing so much in my life he's done this and he's done that and it, you know i just can't i just can't hardly keep up with all the good things that he's doing right and then and then you go to the very next chapter chapter 19 and he faces 
he finds out that Jezebel has found out about his, her prophets of Baal. And then she decides that she's going to kill him. And instantly, it's like a switch. I mean, this is this one chapter. There cannot be that many days in between what has happened. I mean, she's just now getting word that her her prophets have been have been killed. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe a week. You know, I mean, there can't be that much time. Month tops, right? Pro- yeah. Probably more more like days. But yeah, I'm just being gracious here. And Jezebel decides. Um, verse 2 in ch- chapter 19 it says so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the one like of one of them by this time tomorrow she's talking about the prophets of Baal right so basically she's saying may, may God may the gods punish me if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow and Elijah freaks out, right? And he goes and he hides. Right. And he gets to this point where he's like, all right, God, I don't want to die. Right? He's like, just just take my life. And uh, as a matter of fact, in verse um, chapter 19, verse 14, he says, I've been very serious uh, uh let, let me make this let me make this clear. God is asking him what he's what is he doing here? And he says, I have been very zealous for the armies of, for, for the Lord God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking to take my life. So we, we see this place where he, he's like, okay, he's like, I'm it. Like, I don't know what else to do. Like, where where else am I supposed to go? What else am I supposed to do? And it turns so quickly. Turns so quickly. And, um, you, you know, God asked him a couple of times here. He asked, he asked him back in, in 10. And what's amazing is God shows him who he is right okay so let's 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 back uh, backtrack just a little bit let's go back up to 10 god came to him and asked him where are you at and he said he replies the exact same way uh, i've been very zealous for the lord of lord god of armies but the israelites have abandoned your covenant torn down your altars killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left and are looking they are looking for me to take my life and then this is the uh God told him, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. It says that at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountain and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. Okay, I want to stop there. After everything Elijah had seen, after everything that he had done, Jezebel decides she's going to take her, take his life. 
and he gets terrified. Right? He runs. He hides. Even to the point that he's like, all right, God, you might as well just end it now. I don't know what else to do. And God takes him and he, put, and he places him in, the, in, this, in this moment in front of this mountain. And I think that God is just trying to show him just how powerful he really is. Right? Even though he just literally watched him rain down fire, he literally watched him, you know, bring rain back. But the wind, the earthquake, the fire, God was not in any of those. But it said after that, after the fire, there was a voice, soft whisper. Sometimes we we can find ourselves in this place of loneliness, right? Just like Elijah. Why why was Elijah ready to to just give up? He thought he was the only one. Right? Tyler, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're like there's nobody else going through the things that you were going through. There's nobody else that can that can understand what you're doing. That it, it feels like you were the only person left. Yes, but at the same time, I I'm more of if you look back at verse four, like Elijah's. There's a study on the enduring word. I fit more in with. I feel like I'm alone. Like I feel like God's not there. I feel like I am completely. Because it says, but he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. I mean, he, he prayed. And the part that they point out here is this man's prayers saw results. I mean, he, it says this mighty man, a prayer prayed mighty enough that the rain and the dew stopped for three and a half years. And then he was mighty enough to make it start again. And now he's praying that he could die. I mean, just imagine if God would have answered that prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have, but he says it is enough. And how many times, I mean, I've said it is enough so many times because I've felt so lonely, so, so alone. Like I, I pray, but I feel like God is, is not hearing me. Like I pray, but I'm praying alone. It's like, what am I praying for? Like, I'm not, I don't feel like anything's, anybody's listening to me. And he says, his prayers is like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't, I did all these awesome things on Mount Carmel and still these people don't listen. I mean, it got to the point where he, he just, what else do you want me to do? God, like I've fire came down. I mean, what else? I mean, it burned up everything. I've killed all the prophets of Baal and still these people don't listen. And then he says, now, Lord, take my life for I know better than my father's. He then, how many times do we compare ourselves to everybody before us? He was a sinner just like the rest of his ancestors. And that's more where I fit in is I am no better than anybody else. I am just here and I'm trying to do what the Lord tells me to do. And sometimes more often than not, I just feel alone. And there are times where I'm going through, you know, the season with Elijah where I'm up on Mount Carmel and I'm like, yes me and the Lord are here and we are destroying people and we are tearing down strongholds and we are moving mountains. Come on. But then we're also over here and eventually it goes over to Mount Sinai, which is where he's at in this chapter. And 
you get you can't have one without the other right you have to go through the different things but i i am more to answer your question bring it all back around yes but i'm also more the point where i'm just i just feel alone completely like Mm -hmm. i i know in my head that other people are going through things that are similar to me i know that i'm not the only christian to have a hard life but i feel more that god's not listening and that's the hard part and i know he is and it's the attack of the devil it's the work of the the enemy on your on your mindset and everything else but sometimes it just feels hard because you were like god you were with me up on this mountain now where are you at right yeah and sometimes i think that that we we get such a high off of off of those things like you, you know we come off you, you know and, and and you god has just done something miraculous and every single time Every single time, it's like Satan hits us so hard, right? Because it's almost like he—it's out of out of desperation, right? So, I mean, if you notice here, it's it's not like, um, it it was just like one blow after another after another. I mean, he had gone through all these things, then all of a sudden, Jezebel's like, "Boom! I'm I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow," mm-hmm. right? You know, and then Elijah has this has this thought like, I'm I'm it. There's nobody else for me. There's nobody else for me to turn to. There's nobody else for me to lean on. There's nobody else for me to talk to. There's like there's there's nobody. I am the only one left. And I think that's such a place of vulnerability that Satan wants us at, mm-hmm. right? Because we can't. He can't take us when we're together, right? Right, he he can't win, but if he can draw us out, I love I love um, like safari videos, like hunting videos. You know, where like lions and stuff will hunt, like zebras and stuff. Like I, I love those videos. I maybe morbid, whatever. I don't care. And um, <laughs> but uh, but to watch them, you know, the way that they hunt, and the, they'll separate a weak one. They're like they'll find like a weak link. Right, and it may not be anything major. It just may be at the, at the they're in this season of of weakness, right? Maybe they maybe they're a little sick, or maybe they're, you know whatever, and, and they'll isolate that thing, and then they'll take it down. Well, that's the same way Satan does with us. You know, if we're in this place of weakness, maybe maybe Elijah was exhausted, right? Maybe maybe he really truly did feel like he was the only one left, and then you see Satan just come in and be like, "All right, I got you now." You know, you're you're all by yourself and he's probably feeding him all these lies right yeah and so um we're we're gonna take a little break and when we come back we're gonna continue talking about elijah we're gonna talk about the way that god reacted to him we'll be right back after this if you want to join in the conversation Join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. 
Hey, Frank, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, trying to finish some projects around the house. Why? I'm moving this weekend. I was hoping you could help. Oh, I could do that. Great. 7 a.m. Saturday. Can you bring your truck? Uh... I know it's new and all, but I, I really need a truck. Uh, no, no problem. Thanks, you're a real friend. It's up three floors. Oh, okay. No elevator. Hey, we can handle it. No problem. Mind if I drop my dog off at your place tonight? He's in the way of packing. Oh, sure. I love dogs. Is a week too long? No, no. That's fine. Thanks. You're such a great friend. If there's anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to ask. Hey, since you're not going to have a yard anymore, you're probably not going to need that garden hose, are you? <laughs> Mine leaks. I was going to sell it at my garage sale. Oh, stop by. I'll, I'll give it to you at half price. That's okay. God has given us so much. He forgave our sins, made us holy and blameless in His sight. Are you grateful for this? Does your life show it? Another message from Lifeline Productions, located on the web at lifelinepro.com. If you have questions about today's show, please message us on social media or email us realmen at palaceofpraise.com. And now, back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, we're back and we're talking about pretty much, I mean, the darkest, probably one of the darkest parts of Elijah's ministry. I mean, at this point in time, he's he's low. And I like how it puts it. He says in First Kings, we're in First Kings 19, it says, the lowest part in Elijah's career, arrested by Jezebel's threats, he sinks deeper and deeper into the depths of unbelief to such a degree that even more powerful that he he they kind of put this with how Moses was um, through his journey in Exodus. But one of the things we were talking about before break was the mountain, the mountain that he was on, Mount Carmel. And one of the things I was thinking in my head is, and we we're talking about you know how the devil brings us down, is sometimes, and I never really thought about it until we were talking about this before break, was that the higher the mountain is, the further that we have to fall. I mean, think about that. The mm-hmm. higher the mountain that you were on, I mean, think about how, and I don't know how high Mount Carmel was. I mean, it could be like this little hill, but I mean, think about like how he was up there. I mean, he was tearing down all the prophets of Baal. He burned them up. He killed them all. He said, don't let anybody escape. He was on a high. And then right in that next chapter, he goes right back down. Mm-hmm. And that's the point that I wanted to make with that is the sometimes the higher that we are in life, the more that we're being blessed, the more that we are seeing results, the more that our prayers are being answered, the more damage the devil can do. Because that one time the prayer is not answered, that one time you don't receive the blessing, the one time that you don't feel like God's listening, the devil can sneak in and he can go in there. And that's the, that's the part where we have to make sure that we are going through and we are we are feeding ourselves. And so in verses five through eight, he's talking about God's ministry. So he ate and he drank and he laid down. And what what Elijah wasn't doing up on that mountain is he wasn't feeding himself. He was feeding everybody else. He was giving it everything to everybody else. He never thought to give back to himself. Mm-hmm. And Spurgeon says like this, the spirit needs to be fed and the body needs feeding also. Do not forget these matters. It may seem to some people that I am not to mention such small things as food and rest, but these may be the very first elements in really helping a poor, depressed servant of God. Sometimes it doesn't, we don't need all of the highs on the mountain. Sometimes we really just need to stop and sit with God and feed ourselves so that way we can get back to that high on the mountain because the the higher that we are, the higher that God allows us to go. Sometimes 
the test is to see how far to make sure that we're not going to fall back down because the devil can take us all the way back down the mountain. We got to start right back up again. Yeah. And, and I like how there in, um, in verse seven, you know, he talked about, you know, he told him a second time to get up and eat. And he says, because the journey will be too much for you. You know, think about that. Um, along with what you're talking about, you know, you, one, like we were talking about before the, before the break, you know, you can't have, you can't have a valley without a, a mountain and you can't have a mountain without a valley, right? They, they work together. Yes. One is more exciting than the other. You know, one is more helpful than the other, right? Nobody, right. nobody enjoys the valleys. Everybody enjoys the, the mountaintops, right? But when we are in those valleys, that's our, that's our time to feed. That's our time to, to be like, okay, God, I, I need you, you know, and even God instructs him, get up and eat because you will not survive the journey. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but you will not survive the journey if you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you go through all the, all these different, you know, and you, you know, just after that, in the his conversation with the Lord, you know, and, and Elijah feels like he's so alone, but I want to go back to, to the fire and the, the, um, the, the let's see verse 11 and he said go out and stand in front of the mountain in the presence in the, in the lord's presence at that time the lord passed by a great mighty wind was tearing at the mountain and was shattering cliffs before the lord but the lord was not in the wind and after the wind there was an earthquake but the lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake there was a fire the lord was not in the fire and after that there was a voice a soft whisper now I, I want I want us to think about it. I think so often when we come down from those mountaintops, you know, we're feeling lonely. We only expect God to operate like he did on those mountaintops. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can imagine Elijah was looking for God in that wind and in the earthquake and in the fire, just like he had just previous, right? When he was up on the mountaintop, you know, he called fire down and different things like that. And, and sometimes we just need the whisper. We just need to stop, slow down, and just listen. You know, I, I was listening to uh, a teacher one time, and uh, he, he, was, he was talking about how every time he ever wanted to get the, his class's attention, he would whisper, right? Because it made them want to, like they had to listen to hear him. You know, and so like he would be talking like this and then he would go into a whisper, you know, and the whole class, it, it would throw them all off. Right. But sometimes God, he's got to, He's got to, he just wants us to rely on him. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to just know, you know, it's just so soft. It's so subtle. It's so, uh, you, you know, sometimes God just operates like that, you know, and here we are, we're feeling lonely like Elisha did, you know, at that, at that point. Okay, so you, that was in verse 13, the soft, or 12, the soft whisper. You go into verse 13, and again, this is First Kings 19, verse 13. It says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay, so I want to go back. I want to go back to this. Verse 14, this is Elijah speaking. I have been very zealous for the Lord of the armies, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. 
tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking to take my life. You come off this mountaintop. You come down here, and you feel like there's nobody else left. There's nobody else that can possibly understand what you're going through. There's nobody that can truly understand what's going on. There's nobody that that understands you. You feel like you're alone. You feel like God has abandoned you. You know, all these, the, the evil one has come. He's, he's taken all these people out. People are falling at, the, at your side as like, you know, in droves. And God's like, wait a minute. And I'm not going to read verses 15 through through 17, but God puts a plan out before Elijah, right? Puts this plan out. But then he comes to verse 18. And he says, this is God talking to Elijah. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So not only did God give him a plan, not only did God come to him in this soft whisper, but he showed him, Elijah, you're not the only one left. There has been 7,000 others that have that are in the same place you are that has not bowed their need to Baal that is not dead they've not kissed the feet of Baal there are seven that you are not the only one left and if Satan can ever get us in a place that we feel like we are the only one left we, we become so that is such a scary place to think right mm-hmm. God you know, all these things, he knows, he knows, he knows God can operate. He knows he can. He just prayed fire down. He just killed the prophets of Baal. He just, rain just come back, you know, after this three-year drought. He knows that he can, he, God can operate in such an amazing way. But the moment he thought that he was all by himself, he becomes so terrified and i think that's the way we get sometimes we we buy into this lie that we're it and yet he really wasn't it was it it was either either it was a lie that he had bought into which is the way that often we often operate right you you know we buy into these lies or it was he, he was just being deceived he just did not understand the situation but God's like, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I think that that's, that's so powerful. I think that somebody listening to this needs to know you're not alone. You're not, it's not, it's not just up to you. Not only do you have God on your side, but you have other people that are in this fight together. You know, and I think that's something that we all need to understand. Yes, we have to remember that God, in Zechariah 4, 6, he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That is how God works. He doesn't work in, in you know, he, he can do big signs. I mean, we've seen it here. We've seen it with the children of Israel. We've seen it in many different parts and the judges and everything else. But we see that God mainly works in the background. He works fine-tuning things. He doesn't, he doesn't need the credit. 
he he knows and in, in the very end what happens but in elijah's ministry those seven thousand people in israel if elijah would not have done anything in this ministry if he would not have spoken up if he would have not done anything I mean, and it says something to his ministry that 7,000 people, even though they are fully surrounded by Baal worship, they are fully surrounded by people coming around them and 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 submitting to Baal and, and all the pagan gods, that he still was able to save 7,000. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of people. But what he didn't realize was that the, the small seeds that he planted along the way bore more fruit than his biggest moment up on Mount Carmel. He was able to save 7,000 faithful souls just by doing what he was asked to do by God. And it said the still small voice had been doing for Israel what Elijah could not. Mm-hmm. God had been working in the midst. God had been working behind him, even though he thought he was alone. And like I said earlier, even when we feel alone, God's working. He's working in the background. He's fine tuning everything. He's getting us to the place that we need to be. He's helping us get to the end of the story because he knew that in the end, Elijah was going to get to this point. Elijah was going to get to so low of a point that he was going to need these 7,000 people. I mean, think about it. The number of seven is the number of completion. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what he was doing from day one. He knew that between 18 and 19, that Elijah is going to make a downfall and he's going to go down. And the only way to save him is to show him that this stuff on Mount Carmel, yeah, it was great. It was good. It was awesome. But that's not why we were here. We were here for the 7,000. We were here to to work through those faithful souls so that you could see that you were going to do more just by just by doing what I asked you to do, just by simple obedience. And that's all he did. We talked about that on the last podcast. He was just obedient what God asked him to do. Mm-hmm. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he spoke even when he didn't want to speak. I mean, Jezebel's an evil, evil, evil lady. I mean, there's even a spirit named after Jezebel. She's that that's right. But he he never feared up until this point. He never feared to go against what God said. He only did what the Lord required him to do. And by simple obedience, he did it. And God knew that he was going to get to this point. And it's just awesome how God, even when we feel alone, even when we feel to the point where there's no hope, there's nothing behind us, even when we get to the season where we're on the lowest of lows, like you don't think you can get any lower than you get lower that God is working in the background. He's sending that one person. He is He is, He is. is investing in all those different seeds that you've planted along the way. And in the end, that's exactly what, or in this story, that's exactly what God needed or Elijah needed, that final encouragement after he repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly was like, God, I'm alone. I need help. And he was like, you're not alone. Here's 7,000, 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee because of you. Yep. You know, and, and I think it's something to say. Also, you look throughout this entire thing, starting with verse four, when Elijah said that he wanted to take his life all the way down to where God had given him this plan and, you know, told him about the 7,000 people. Elijah had just prayed, God, I, I, I'm done. I'm the only one left. Take my life. God never chastises him over that. He he never was like, he now, he, he spoke to him. He set a plan out before him, but he never was like, Elijah, what are you doing? Did I not just do all of these things? Why are you what why are you acting this way? Did I not just bring fire down on on this thing for you? 
right? To, to, to prove that, that I am God, did I not answer your prayer? He never once did that. No. Well, and think about when Jesus was on earth. I mean, he even prayed to God that if this cup can pass from me, please do it. I mean, he even, there was even too much for him. I mean, and he was God made flesh and he even knew. So, I mean, think about that, that he just, he even, that there's even times where it's just too much for somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, the, one of the th- things they point out, and I think it's verse eight was, he said, arise need because the journey is too great for you. God is, is about to set Elijah on a 200 mile journey, a 40 day trip to Mount Sinai. And the reason he did it, there was a straighter shot that he could have taken. But what this points out is that it shows that God does not demand an immediate recovery from where you're at. He allowed him 40 days. He allowed him time to be by himself to get from that point. And sometimes we have to step back from all the loudness. Sometimes we have to step back from all of this, all the stuff that we're, we're doing, all the things that are flooding our brain. We just have to spend time. It was not without significance that right after they did all of this, that he was then led on this long journey. He had to recover himself. And sometimes we have to just pull ourselves out. We have to pull ourselves away. When we're in these low seasons, we have to, we have to just take a step back. That doesn't mean we withdraw from everybody. That doesn't mean, you know, don't talk to the, the people who feed into you. That doesn't mean go away and don't go to church and don't do all this stuff. But it means focus on you. Don't don't go out and start flooding your brain with everything on social media. Don't go out and start putting our everything else in into your body. Mm-hmm. What it means is slowly take those things away so you can focus on God. And it, sometimes it takes time. It may take a forty day trip to whoever. You know, I've always dreamed. You know, Lacey's like you need to go on a vacation one day. I do. Right to the mountains. Give me a cabin by myself. Nobody. Sometimes we can't do that all the time. But sometimes that would be nice. Just mm-hmm. get away. And that's okay to take that trip, to take that time to get yourself back to where God needs you to be. Yes. You know, and, and I want to, I want to point out, you know, here up at the top again, you know, Elijah just found out Jezebel's trying to kill him. You know, he's, he said that he wanted to die and look what God did for him. It says in verse five, it says he lay down and sleep underneath a, a broom tree. Suddenly that an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Where did that food come from? God provided for him. Even though he felt like he was all alone, even though he felt like he was he was abandoned, God provided for him. It says then he looked and there was a, a head a, looked there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones in a jug of water. I mean God Sometimes we find ourselves in these places where we do feel alone. It is like this perpetual fall, right? Because like we feel like we're alone. We feel like God has abandoned us. And then we feel bad because we feel like God has, because we feel that way, right? And it, it, like we go through this this season of guilt and different things like that. Because, you know, in, 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 the, in his mind, he knows what God just did. He knows what, what you know, and so we, we find ourselves in this in this perpetual downfall if we're not careful of just guilt and shame for just feeling the way that we feel. And again, God never He never chastised him for it. He always provided for him. Not only did He provide food and drink for the journey ahead, God set out a plan for him. Just after this, you know, at the end of this chapter, we see Elisha come on the scene. 
which is, is the successor of Elijah. And God placed this plan of how he was going to kill Jezebel and how things were going to go, you know, who he was supposed to anoint and different things like this to, to put in motion the things that needed to happen that God wanted to happen. It is okay. I was telling somebody um, earlier today, I was, I was telling them, they're like, what are, what are some things that you need in your life? You know? And uh, it was one of the, you know, and, and it was actually like a coaching call type thing that I was on. And, and so I just, I, I, he gave us like three minutes to really think about it. And, um, and I was like, man, you know, rest. And sometimes we don't, right? I, I'm, I'm the world's worst about it. That there'll be, there'll be weeks go by. I don't even have time to turn on my TV and God will, if we do not rest, we become fatigued, which I would almost guarantee you is where Elijah was. He was tired. He was journey. He did all these different things because, because if you've ever prayed for the presence of the Lord to come in, sometimes it, you have to travail. Sometimes it is work to do. Sometimes it is, you know, the journey is long, whatever it is. And we find ourselves fatigued. And when we get fatigued, we end up in this place where we're just like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And God places us, allows us, I don't want to say he places, he allows us to get to a place where we will rest. And sometimes it's a very uncomfortable place. Sometimes that is a terrifying place to be because it is one, it's not what we're used to. Sometimes we're there because we, we weren't completely, well, I don't want to say like completely obedient, but we, we just, we just did not take the time to rest like we should have and our bodies become exhausted. And I don't know about you guys, when I am, I'm exhausted like that, I become very irritable. You know, I get, you know, I'm tired. Nobody wants to be around me, you know, and uh, I find myself snapping faster than what I should. You know, I find myself less patient, um, you know, I, and all these different things. And I guarantee you, Elijah felt the exact same way. He was probably exhausted. And God's like, hey, sleep, eat and drink. You have another journey coming up. Let me set this plan out in front of you. It'll be okay. I've got you. Yeah, sir. You know, and so, Kyler, you got anything before we land this plane? I don't. Okay. Listeners, men, if you find yourself in this place, don't allow the enemy to make you feel like you're the only one there because you're not. God has got, God is there with you. Not only is he there with you, he's got a plan in place for you. And he has others that to come along the journey with you. You are not in this fight alone. God is is holding you. He will feed you. He will nourish you. He will the, the way that he needs to. And what we need to do, we need to stop looking for him in in the earthquake and in the wind and in the fire. We need to listen for the still small voice. We need we need to just concentrate on God. And um, and so with that with that being said, know that that God loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. He wants to see you succeed. He, wa- he, he wants to see you succeed as a leader, as a husband, as a father. And, um, and he has put a plan out, in, out before you to make you victorious and bring glory to his name. And so 
Um, you, you know, of course, if you've got any questions, anything like that, you can always email us realmen at palaceofpraise.com. You can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, Rumble. Um, I've got a new podcast out. I want to let everybody know about called Without Apology, Everyday Apologetic from the Everyday Guy. Uh, you can find that everywhere else, you know, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Rumble. Um, you know, go check that out. Uh, also, we've got a, I've got a book coming out in a couple months. Super stoked about. Uh, there'll be again, there'll be more deeds to come. And so, uh, just know that that God loves you, and we're here for you. And, and if there's anything that we could do, please let us know. And as always, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches, and teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk. If you'd like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmenatpalaceofpraise.com, or visit our website at realmenministries.us. You can also message us through social media. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. on all major podcast platforms. You can also find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, X, and Facebook. Real Men Talk is a production of Real Men Studios in cooperation with Palace Media Services.